Welcome to the Underground Podcast, the student ministry of Riverside Community Church. We are happy to have you listening in this week. Everybody doing good? I'll tell you that croissants with Krishan, I, I absolutely loved it. We had this is how stupid this is. I know Malachi is upstairs, but we sit around the office a lot of times, and we just try to think of like random stupid stuff to do. And and one day. Uh, Benny, who works actually at the Dream Center, he came down with this massive platter of croissants. And uh, we're like, croissants, that kind of sounds like croissant. I go, what if we did like a game or an interview or something called croissants with croissant? And of course, Malachi just runs with it. Um, and that's so stupid, but I, I love it. Did you like that? You like, I, sound, I sound really British, Dad. You like it? You like it? Um, but we're so excited to have you here for week two of what we're calling Vampires, dealing with people who suck the life out of you. Um, and so we're excited to kind of jump into things. I don't know about you, but one thing that I love is, is my family. Many of you know that's a big thing. And recently, it only took him a couple of years after he turned 16, but my nephew Clay got a car. Have you all seen Clay's car? It's amazing. It's really, it's really, really amazing. And it kind of brought me back because the very first car that I ever had was not necessarily as cool as Clay's was. Because my first car, I was so excited. I overheard my grandpa one day, and I don't know that I was supposed to hear him, but he said, hey, when it's Michael's 16th birthday, we're going to get him a car. And he was talking to my grandma, and I was like, this is going to be good. I was so excited. And they started to talk about what my first car was going to look like. And it sounded pretty nice. And they're like, it'll have this and it'll look like this. and It'll be this color. We know he loves that color and it'll be so good. So I acted like I didn't hear. So a couple weeks later, it was my 16th birthday and they had called me on my birthday to wish me happy birthday. And I made my way over to their house because they said, we have your gift. And I was practicing the whole way there, like, how am I going to act my surprise face? Like, I was practicing it, like, like, I didn't know how to do it. But I was just practicing, like, really, really how I was going to do that. So when they open up that garage door and this nice new, I'm not going to tell you what year it was because I'll tell you how old I'm getting. Um, they were going to pull open the garage door and my car was going to be there and it was going to be, like, amazing, like on one of those game shows. And so we get there and I try to play it really cool. And so I walk up there. And they're like, we have a gift for you. And they try to be really slick. And they're like, well, we only got you a card. <laughs> and uh, so I opened up the card. And there was a key, obviously, in the card. Because that's really not cheesy. Um, and so I took out the key. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you got me a car. And they're like, yes, come out to the garage. And they open up the garage door. And this was what I saw waiting for me um, in the driveway. Sexy. Uh, a 1976 Ford Granada. I think that's what it was even called. Now, I'll, I will give you, tell you how old I was. This car came out the year before I was born. So by the time I started to drive, this was my car. And so that, like, excited face I'd practiced all the way there, I hadn't thought, oh, my goodness, What's going to happen if it's not the car that I expected? And so here's some, this is a good tell about me. Sometimes when I don't know how to do awkward situations, my voice goes really high. And so I was like, ah, thank you. 
really annoying. And that's why I was like, that's what I've always wanted. Totally wasn't what I always wanted. And so I remember I drove this boat home that day. And I felt like everybody was looking at me as I went through the intersections and drove home and stuff like that. And it didn't really dawn on me until I got ready to drive to school the next day. And as most of you know, I went to PCS and, and I had a hard time kind of adjusting because many of you know my story. I come from um, a single mom and, and you know that my brother came along about when I was 10 years old and we didn't really have a lot. And at the time, and I don't know what PCS is like now, there were people there that were exactly the opposite of me. They had a lot. Their parents were together. They had like the most amazing things. And I remember the first day I pulled in I pulled in and I parked and the person right next to me got out and it was like the most popular kid in my class. His name was Justin. Like he had it all. He had the coolest car. He was like the star basketball player. Um, He was athletic. He was popular. He had like the coolest clothes ever. And I was like, I asked my mom, I go, hey, I want that shirt. And she's like, there is no way I'm paying $65 for you to have that gross shirt. I was like, no, it's cool. She's like, it ain't happening. And so I parked next to him, and I just remember, I was so jealous of what he had. Because he had the best of everything. His life seemed really, really good. And you see, I struggled with jealousy. And for the way that we're going to talk about it tonight, jealousy is not being content with where you are. Not being content with who you are or what you have or the situation that you're, are, that you're at in life. You see, I'm going to be really honest with you. I love Taylor Buse. Where is Taylor? Right here. Taylor, a couple weeks ago, I, I, I almost unfollowed her. Is that what you do on Snapchat? Do you un, unadd? Unadd them? I don't think that, that's not even like, that teacher in me was really struggling with that. Unadd? Okay, but I'll go with it. Because Taylor was in one of my favorite places in the entire world. And I'm a 40, almost 41-year-old man. And I'm not going to lie, I love Disney World. I love everything about it. It's like my favorite thing. And so I would tell you, I would just see Snapchats all day long on her story about where she was at Disney World. And I was like, oh, that's very nice. And then um, a couple days ago, I guess last week, my friend Josh Forsberg in the front kept sending me Snapchats of him at the store getting the new iPhone. And I said, I want a new phone so bad. If you look at mine, mine is a piece of junk. It is three years old. Like it's like you play the Bluetooth. It's better than yours, Derek. Is it a little bit? Okay. I feel better. I'm not so jealous of yours. Um, But like I'll, I'll play music and like attach it to Bluetooth and it'll like stop in the middle of it. It'll cut out. I hate it. You can't hear what anybody's saying. I'll be showing somebody a YouTube video and they're like, I can't even hear what that is. I'm like, they're like, turn it up. I'm like, let's turn it up full blast. That's what a piece of junk it is. I will go and I'll like look at um, the other. Can I just be really honest with you? Many of you, this is like confession time. About six days ago, I did something I thought I would never, ever do in the history of the world. And my wife is nodding because she never thought. I joined a gym. Thank you. You can already tell the amazing progress that's going on here. Um, but I, I, I got back home one day, and you go to the gym, and I like to go when there's nobody there except old ladies. 
Like old ladies, I love it because they're just nice to me and they smile and all those kind of things. I don't like to go when it's like bodybuilders that are there because I feel really out of place and they're like, everything's perfect. And the other day I was there working out next to a, 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 like a 21-year-old young man and he had everything together, like his face was, and I got home and I, and I said to Rach, I go, if I'm ever on another game show, like I'm going to get like plastic surgery because there's like this little line right here that I absolutely hate. And she's like, you're ridiculous. And then I go, and then you like, you look and I like have these lines right here and they make me look really old and stuff like that. She goes, those are your smile lines. Like that shows that you're happy, that you're smiling. But I was so like jealous of all these people that seem to have it all together. Just the last couple of days I was listening to, because as your leaders will know, I'm really trying to shorten my messages down. It's not really working. <laughs> Some of you are laughing because you're like, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um, and the other day I was listening to a podcast. And this pastor who's very well known, many of you would know him. I listened to a message and it was 20 minutes and five seconds long. And I was like, I want to have that gift. I became jealous of like his preaching ability in that time. But you see, the one thing that I learned is that jealousy doesn't change anything. You see, it's not going to change your situation I can be jealous of Taylor. It's not magically going to transport me to the magic kingdom. I'm sorry. It's just not going to do that. I can be jealous of Josh's new phone, and there's not going to be a new phone waiting for me on the front steps of my house. I can be jealous of that 21-year-old kid that has a lot of life left to live, and I want to look like him and all that kind of stuff. But it's not going to magically smooth out the wrinkles in my old man face. And as much as I try... I'm just going to be honest with you. I'll probably never preach a 20-minute message. I'm just um, work, work, work in progress. Um, but you see, I love it because the, it doesn't change our situations. You can sit there and be jealous over and over. And even in the Bible, it kind of tells us this. In fact, the Bible says it will have the exact opposite effect. If you live a life full of jealousy, because listen, in Proverbs 14, verse 30, it says a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. You see, the longer jealousy is left untreated, the more it spreads and starts to damage you. The more you live a life full of jealousy and you're jealous of the people around you, the more it will start to affect your everyday life. You see, as a teacher, one of the things we did on the very last day was we would go to the park. And we had this amazing park with swings and slides and all this kind of stuff. But invariably, every year, there would be some boys that would say, can we go over to that baseball field and can we play kickball? And the park district would never allow us to go there. They're like, you're a bunch of eight-year-olds that are going to come mess it up. We're never allowed. And so here's what boys would do every time that we would go. They would get so disappointed that they would sit on the bleachers and they would just stare at the baseball field that they weren't allowed to be on. But you see, I think that's so true because sometimes we get so busy staring and thinking and dwelling at what we don't have that we lose sight of what we do have. You see, we miss out on the life that's been given to us because we're so consumed with the life that we don't have. And so tonight, we're going to look at the vampire of jealousy. And we're going to look through today uh, through a lens of a story that you may not be familiar with. And so today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Numbers. Now, Numbers is the fourth book in the Bible. If you want to turn there with me, 
Moses, who many of you know, is kind of the central figure in this. Throughout the book of Numbers, he sends out the 12 spies. He even has this really cool story where he hits a rock and water shoots out. He makes this kind of bronze serpent. There's even later on in the story, you see this story about a guy named Balaam and this donkey like starts talking to him. It's an amazing, amazing book that you want to read. But today we're going to read from Numbers chapter 16, and we're going to start in verses 1 through 3. Numbers 16, verses 1 through 3. It says, One day Korah, son of Izhar, a descendant of Kohath, son of Levi, conspired with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on son of Peleth from the tribe of Reuben. I'm never going to read that line ever again. They incited a rebellion against Moses along with 250 other leaders of the community, all prominent members of the assembly. They united against Moses and Aaron and said, You have gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord, and he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? So let's pause there. Just to kind of give you a little bit of background. Moses and Aaron that you heard mentioned in here are brothers. Korah, who you also heard mentioned in here, is their cousin. And Korah kind of had a unique life. You know, he had been there to see the Red Sea part. Many of you probably know that story about Moses where he kind of held up his staff and the Red Sea parted. Korah was actually part of that. He had this kind of high office in the tabernacle. He was very, very wealthy. But through this all, he was jealous that Aaron was chosen as the high priest. And what starts to happen is he starts to stage this full-on rebellion. And if you look here in those verses that we read... He got his buddies, Dathan and Abram. Now, Dathan, I'm sure, is that guy that, like, people, he would introduce himself, and they're like, oh, your name is Nathan? And he's like, no, Dathan. And like, Nathan? No, no, Dathan. And, and finally, like, he gets so mad, I can just imagine him being that. And then this guy named Abram, I guarantee you he never got his name spelled right on any Starbucks cup in the history of the world. Um, but these two buddies of his were troublemakers. They were punks. And so here's what it says that Korah did. He got the two of them and 250 other community leaders, and they came to Moses, and they claimed that Moses had given Aaron this prominent position without being instructed by God. And so here was their plan. Korah says, I want you to make all of us high priests. I want you to give us all of these, this position. And so tonight... We're going to look at very quickly at three ways in which Moses dealt with Korah that will help us as we deal with jealousy vampires in our life. So let's continue on with Numbers 16.4. It said, when Moses heard what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. So three ways in which Moses dealt with Korah that we can use to deal with the jealousy vampires in our life. Number one. Moses looked for direction from God. Moses looked for direction from God. Because you see, it says, he fell face down on the ground. You see, Moses here, he left it in God's hands. You see, how often, if you're like me, do we try to solve problems on our own? How often do we lose sleep worrying about things that pop up in our life? You know, I was just talking to somebody today, and I said... You know, it's really easy for me to try to plan things out. It's really easy for me to try to keep control of stuff. It's also really easy for me to lose sleep and dwell over things that I cannot change. You see, it's taken a long time coming for me to realize 
that I need to look for direction in my life. You see, last spring, somebody asked to come in and meet with me, and, and, and this girl said, I'm having an issue with a friend in my life. And, and I said, well, what's, what's going on? And, and she said, well, I feel like she's really jealous of me and my family and my position. And I go, well, specifically what? And I'll never forget what she said. She said, well, I'm prettier than her, and she's not that cute. And I was like, okay, here we we go. Nothing can prepare you. are like, Jesus, tell me the right words to say in that. And I was like, man, she needs to come back. We need to do a week on arrogance dealing with the people that suck the life out of you. But I remember in that time, I said to her, man, you need to hand this over to God because there's some things in there. And it sounds to me like you're not comfortable talking with her right now. And she's for sure not comfortable talking with you. You need to hand that over to God. Let God deal with it. Let him give you some direction as well. Because some of you need to hear tonight, you need to give it to God and then leave it there. Because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes God doesn't always show up on my timetable. I expect God to answer my problems. I expect him to give me direction as soon as possible. Some of you are in a season right now where you're going to go home tonight and you're going to say, okay, Michael, I totally understand what you're saying. I'm going to seek direction from God. I'm going to pray about it tonight. And then some of you will wake up tomorrow and your situation hasn't changed. And you expect God to work things overnight. Can I tell you, as somebody who's followed Jesus for a long time, sometimes that will take a process. Where it's not just a couple hours, it's not just a couple days. It could be years in the process. I loved, many of you females were here, and Josh and I and Seth were up in the balcony, Savion and Clay. Rach spoke on this at Bloom on Friday night. Just there were things that God was, was dealing with in her heart that weren't things that were resolved just like that. But it was things that were years and years for God to deal with the things that were in our life. You see... Even when God doesn't work in your time, I wrote down, God is still working in your waiting. You see, God is still working even when it seems unlimitless. You see, if we pick up in the story, and we're going to jump through just for time's sake, it goes on to tell us that, you know, Moses tells all 250 plus of these leaders to go light some incense, and the Lord will choose which one is holy. And so they come, they lift up their fires, and they stand at the entrance to the tabernacle. And it goes on to say that the presence of the Lord shows up. Let's jump down to number 16, verse 21. It says, get away from all these people so that I may instantly destroy them. But Moses and Aaron fell down on the ground. Oh, God, they pleaded, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Must you be angry with all the people when only one man sins? And the Lord said to Moses, Then tell all the people to get away from the tents of Korah and Dathan and Abraham. So Moses got up and rushed over to the tents of Dathan and Abraham, followed by the elders of Israel. Quick, he told the people, get away from the tents of these wicked men and don't touch anything that belongs to them. If you do, you will be destroyed for their sins. So all the people stood back from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. Then Dathan and Abraham came out and stood at the entrances of their tents together with their wives and children and little ones. Point number two that we can learn from this story, Moses followed God's leading. Moses followed God's leading. Because you see what it says here is that God told Moses to move away from the tents. You see, 
Moses had every right to be standing there on the sidelines cheering for the bad things that were about to happen. Excited to see what would happen to these people who had pushed against him. But here's what Moses says. He says, are you sure you need to be angry with all of them when only one man was kind of the ringleader here? When only Korah was the one who was kind of inciting all this stuff? And it says he got up and rushed to tell them. I'll tell you, when I have people in my life that have done some things to me that I don't really like, that I kind of struggle with, I'll tell you the last thing I would probably do, if I'm honest, is to rush to help save them. In my head, I picture Moses hearing from God and making a beeline to tell them, hey, wait a minute, here's what's about to happen. If that were me, I would slowly walk over to them. I'd probably stop and get a Dunkin' Donuts with Aubrey Osborne, even though it's $2 now, which I'm not really excited about. I'd probably stop... And, and, and get some healthy food that I'm eating now. I don't know who I am. But I would slowly and leisurely make my way over. But it says, he got up and rushed over to them. Because you see, how satisfying would it have been for Moses to stand there and just to watch all the bad things that were going to happen. But yet still in this passage, it says, he still obeyed. Can I tell you? Oftentimes, God will ask you to do something you don't really like. I'm just going to be upfront with you. You know, he may ask you to respect your mom. And sometimes you may feel like your mom doesn't even love you, let alone like you. Sometimes God will even ask us to be kind to the person who stole your boyfriend. That happens sometimes. Sometimes God will put a little nudge on your heart to talk to the person who you would never be caught dead sitting next to in lunch. But you see, if you were here Sunday morning, Pastor John preached an amazing word, and I love what he said here. It says, how can you say yes to Jesus and not do what he asked you to do? I love that. That'll stay with me, I think, for the rest of my life. You see, Moses, he made the first move in spite of his mood, in spite of the mood he felt. You see, over the last two weeks, I'm going to share this story because my daughter's not here, but over the last two weeks, we've been kind of dealing with some stuff with our daughter and some friends. I told you several weeks ago, I love experiences over things. I do. I love stuff. And I told you I was going to go to all these shows. And, and a couple weeks ago, we had tickets to go see Taylor Swift. And some of you are going to boo that. Oh, thank you. Savion's like, yeah. Some of you are like, you're a bigger nerd than what I thought. I was there shaking it off. Um, You don't want to see me shaking anything. Um, But as we got closer, we realized that, man, we had a lot of stuff kind of going on. And our go-to babysitter was going to be out of town. And and Rach was like, what are we going to do? And and so Rach said, you know what, I'm just going to stay home. And what if we gave our ticket to one of Ella's friends. She was just in the salon, Rachel, I was just doing her hair, and she was like, oh, her mom was so disappointed that she hadn't gotten tickets to go see Taylor Swift. Would you mind, it was Ethan and I, two dudes by ourselves at Taylor Swift, no shame, and then we took Ella and her friend, and we're like, yeah, well, let's invite them, and so Rachel called her up and said, hey, is it all right if Rachel comes with Ella and they'll go to the show, and everybody was so excited. 
Well, what you don't know is that generally there's kind of Ella and two friends. They're kind of like the three musketeers. They run through stuff together. Well, without really thinking, Rachel was just trying to find somebody to fill the void in that, and so we didn't just lose the ticket. Well, it kind of started some problems in that friendship because the one friend that wasn't invited felt a little slighted and maybe a little bit jealous, if you will. And it kind of became an issue. And and just like we saw here with Moses, Moses made the first move in spite of his mood. And you see, it really affected Ella. Ella is like rich. I'll just give it to you. I love them both. But they take on a lot of stuff. They'll pile all that stuff on and worry about what people think. And it's not a bad thing to have. But they'll stew on that. And I could see my daughter over the last two weeks. This thing that was supposed to be so exciting. In fact, we had given her these tickets. Santa had given her these tickets. She didn't believe in Santa anymore. Okay. Um, She'd gotten these tickets at Christmas. So she'd been waiting for nine months to go and had been looking forward to it. And she wasn't really looking forward to it. And I said to her, I said, here's my advice to you. Just be a friend. I know she's not going to like it. I know it's going to be awkward. I know it's not going to be, but make the first move. Be kind. Do everything you can. You know, they may not accept it. They may not take it. They may push back on it. But man, you rest in the fact that I've done everything I can to continue this relationship. Which ties into the last thing. Number three, Moses waited for God to act. I said to Ella, I said, things aren't going to get better overnight. It's going to hurt. It's going to be a little bit tough. But you see, I loved it when she came home from school just the other day. And I said, how was your day? And she hasn't been looking forward to going to school because of stuff that goes around her. She goes, Dad, it was great. Rachel and Quinn and I, we were sitting there and we were talking and we were talking about lunch. And I said, That's what God does. It's not always on our timing. And I'll tell you, that relationship isn't completely 100% yet. But we're trusting in God that he comes through and on his timing, he mends those things. He gets those things back together. And if you look what what it says here, number three, as I said, Moses waited for God to act. In Numbers, if you look at verse 16 down, verses 28 through 35, here's what it said. And Moses said, This is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things that I have done. For I have not done them on my own. If these men die a natural death or if nothing unusual happens, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord does something entirely new and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them and all their belongings and they go down alive into the grave, then you will know that these men have shown contempt for the Lord. He had hardly finished speaking the words when the ground suddenly split open beneath them. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the men along, sorry, I lost my place, along with their households and all their followers who were standing with them and everything they owned. So they went down alive into the grave along with all their belongings. The earth closed over them and they all vanished from among the people of Israel. All the people around them fled when they heard their screams. The earth will swallow us too, they cried. Then fire blazed forth from the Lord and burned up the 250 men who were offering incense. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. 
the people who are jealous of you in their life, the Lord is probably not going to split open the ground and drop them into the earth. Some of you are probably wishing that would happen. But that's probably not what's going to happen. You see, if that were me, it would be easy for us to take over. It would be easy for us to try to fix it or to try to act or kind of lash out at those people. But Moses waited for God to act. You see, since the beginning of time, God has orchestrated creation. It says he hung the sun, the moon, and the stars. He commands the day and the night. And sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our brains around it that the same God who created all of that cares about each one of us, that he listens to our prayers, that he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. You see, I was cleaning out my drawer recently and I came across something I'd totally forgotten about. Right after Liam was born, and this will tell you how long ago it was, I was home for a little bit because I love to stay home when, when our kids were born. And, and somebody said, hey, we need you to come because um, one of your students is getting honored and they're going to have this assembly and we want you to be there. And so we took the time off. And when I got there, I realized that was just like a made up kind of thing to try to get me there. And so when I was there, they're like, we want to invite Mr. Richardson to come up. And they came out with like these TV cameras and stuff like that. And this lady that I'd seen from the news came out and she's like, hey, congratulations. And she handed me this thing called the W-E-E-K TV Golden Apple. It's amazing. It was like the Oscars. I was like, I wanted to thank like my mom and like my dad and I cried and I didn't really cry. I know you're probably expecting me to cry. But it was like the coolest thing. They opened up a door like to the gym and there was like a new car waiting for me. It was really like a game show. And I was like, we got a car? I leaned over to Rachel. I'm like, they gave us a car for this? And then they came up later and like, no, you get to use that car for a month and then we take it back. I was like, oh, it's not really a great gift, but all right, we'll try it. And I remember I came back after Liam was born and I, and I got, and there was this teacher that from the moment I got back, everything I did, she criticized. Because I'll tell you, I'm not your normal pastor. I wasn't really your normal teacher. Like I was that teacher that like, we didn't really sit and dash like, We'd like stand on our, on our chairs and we'd recite like the multiplication tables. I would like make up these songs to help them remember all the presidents, Washington Adams, Jefferson Madison, Monroe Adams, Jackson, Mayberry. like I was that teacher. Um, and so we would do all these kind of crazy things like on, on students' birthdays, I would like pick them up and I would stand on the table and I would hold them up like the Lion King and be like, ah, so they Like I was that crazy teacher. Like it was crazy. And this teacher kind of came in the very first day I was back and they're like, hey, can you just keep it down? You're really distracting. And she never had a problem with me before. And then we would do like something else. We would do like a silly song. And she's like, I've told you before, like, I don't know what you're doing with these balloons. And you're having like kids pop balloons, but it's really loud. And I'm going to go tell the principal if you don't close your mouth. I was like, oh my gosh. I would be, make like a bulletin board and I'm a dude, so I hate bulletin boards. Um, so I'd get it up there and she would like critique my grammar She's like, well, really, you shouldn't put the preposition at the end. You should move the preposition over here. And I'd be like, calm the crap down. Um, I didn't really say that. But throughout all this, I was trying to figure out what's the deal? What's changed? And I, and I slowly realized somebody came up to me and they're like, 
you know, Michael, she's been teaching for a, a lot longer than you have. And she just sat down with me and unfurled all this kind of stuff about you. And hey, it's clear that she's just kind of jealous. And I know you don't see that and you're trying to figure all that stuff out, but she's jealous of all this kind of stuff. And I know you're not making a big deal. I should have, I should have got like a necklace and just kind of hung this in everywhere I walked, like in Walmart, I'd look pretty cool. Uh, but I didn't do that, it's stuck in a drawer now. Um, but I just remember, and what started to happen is I, I started to close my door. I started to stop doing some of those things. You know, a kid came in like, are you going to hold me up like Simba? It's my birthday. I brought some cupcakes. I'm like, dude, I can't really do that anymore. Like, what happened to the songs? Like, we expected you to have the songs and be loud and all that kind of stuff. And you'd stand on your desk and do these things. And I go, I just can't. You know, it hit me one day. A boy came in and he goes, he goes, when's it going to be fun in here anymore? got me. He goes, I used to like, like to come to school and now you're just like every other teacher. And you see, when he said that, it completely changed in me. You see, one of the greatest lines that I read right around that time that I think for some of you need to hear this, don't dim your light simply because it's shining in their eyes. Don't dim your light simply because it's shining in their eyes. Because here's what happens. Sometimes when people come against us, sometimes when people see something in us that's a little bit different, is we start to retreat, we start to change, we start to be somebody other than who God has called us to be. You see, I wrote down that jealousy will cause you to lose sight of the blessings that you already have and to focus on the smallest of things that you don't have. And so for some of you, you may be dealing with people in your life right now that are those vampires in your life. And I'm sure some of you are dealing with people who are jealous of you. Because can I tell you, just like that teacher that was across the hall from me, there are people that see so much potential in you. You see, I love Wednesdays. It's one of my favorite days of the week. Because I get to stand here and get to watch you guys walk in. And hopefully I get a touch base with you as you're walking in here sometime throughout the night. But I love it because I leave on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights are long days for many of us, but I never can like turn it off because I'm so excited because I see the potential that God has for each and every one of you. So throughout this series, I want you to hear, please don't let people suck the life out of you. Don't try to change who you are just to fit a certain mold or just because people see something in you that they don't see in themselves and they get jealous of you because God has made you a unique individual with a unique purpose and a unique plan. So as you're going through this week, I want you to remember those three points. Look for direction from God, follow God's leading, and wait for him to act. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for these students. And God, I I don't just talk to them, but God, I truly believe that you have a purpose and a plan and a future for each and every one of them. And sometimes, God, we forget what that is. Sometimes it's easy to think, man, this is the best it's ever gonna be. I'm never gonna move forward. I'm always gonna be stuck in this. But God, even in the waiting, you show up. 
you're preparing us. And even sometimes, God, when people come around us who try to drain the life out of us, let us never remember who you've called us to be. You say, you are mine. You're my child. I love you. I have a great plan and a great purpose for your life. And so this week, wherever we go, God, please never let us forget that. Please help us always to hold true to who you've called us to be. I thank you for these leaders. I thank you for these students. And I thank you for making time in the busyness of their Wednesday night of their week to be here. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives. And in your name, amen. Thank you for listening. To keep up to date with underground students, follow us on our socials at undergroundpia.